0: Hey, guys. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you?
1: Awesome. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Uh, Thank you for joining. Thank you for doing this. I'm just going to make a tweet and we'll get started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for hosting me.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, but uh, didn't get around (laughs) it, but like I just saw yeah you uh, like you know uh, starting rehash, and I'm like, okay, let's do the first uh tutor spaces with you, so <laughs> might as well
0: yeah we finally we finally found a reason to to um get something scheduled, so i'm I'm glad that happened. yep
1: yep yep, yep, awesome awesome so yep, um awesome, so I'll just uh, do a quick introduction um of myself and you as well. Uh, I'm Dheeraj, guys. We host this podcast called Web3 with... Uh, we do, Not a podcast, sorry. Twitter Spaces, Web3 with the Every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We generally do it at 5 p.m. Uh, GMT, which is 10 a.m. PT. But, like, you know, uh, Diana was available at this time. So, we're doing it a little bit early. So, I'm not sure um, how the turnout is going to be. But it's okay. Uh, we're still here. Uh, Diana is a super interesting person um, whom I really like reading stuff and listening to. Um, She's done over 200 podcast episodes, which is super awesome. Worked with Unstoppable when I first interacted with her and then uh, did podcasts there and content there and then went on to Rabbit Hole, uh, did content there as well. And now is starting Rehash, which is a super interesting concept, uh, which is a podcasting DAO, right? Like this is the basic understanding what I have, uh, but like, you know, Diana is super interested in DAOs as well and uh, NFTs as well. So this is what I understand, Diana. Is there anything I missed?
0: No, at a high level, that's pretty much what it is. It's a podcast DAO um, and then I'm happy to, talk more about like the details of how that works
1: yeah 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 i mean before before we get into that let's let's talk a little bit about yourself um like you know i'd like to get to know you and uh, like even people who are here would like to get a little bit of understanding about you like you know how did you get started uh in web3 or crypto what was like you know the motivational factor and how did you enter the field i would like to know that
0: yeah, sure. So I got into crypto, like totally by chance. Um, there wasn't really a, a lot of intention or like me seeking it out. So the long story short is I started my career as an attorney um, in Chicago. And I didn't I, I ended up figuring out that I didn't like that I couldn't see myself sitting in an office every day for the rest of my life. So I did a real life rage quit and I decided I wanted to travel the world. So um yeah, so it, it's pretty it was I guess like it's it sounds pretty impulsive to like quit your job as an attorney to travel the world. But I really had like thought it out for like a, a very long time. Like it's been years that I was you know, not happy being a lawyer and just ultimately decided to do this. So I started traveling. Um, And at that point, like I had to, you know, I knew I didn't want to go back and sit in an office for the rest of my life, but that meant that I had to figure out what I was going to do instead to like make a living and keep myself alive. So that's when I started looking for ways to like work online, work remote and this was back in early 2017. Um, So it was, you know, long before COVID happened. And now everybody works remote. But back then in 2017, not that many people were working remote, I didn't know how to work remote coming from such a traditional background um, as law. Uh, So I was like, well, I like to write, I've always liked to write, why don't I try starting a travel blog? you know, and try being a blogger. So I went down that path. Um, I did that for a few years, got to the point where I was pretty much getting my travels for free, like I was getting my hotels for free, getting all of my activities on my travels for free. But I still had a mortgage to pay in Chicago and I still had like other expenses that I needed to make money to, you know, figure out at the end of the day. So ultimately I was like, well, okay, I should probably go back and get a, you know, quote unquote, real job. so i can you know be a responsible adult um and so i found this content marketing agency that was fully remote so i would still be able to travel while still working um and you know making a salary and so i started working there we ended up shifting our offering to podcasting so we were helping b2b businesses start their own podcasts and since we were doing that, I figured, well, I should probably start my own podcast to, like, sort of give our clients some assurance that, you know, this girl knows what she's doing when it comes to podcasting. So I started my own podcast. It was just a Web2 startup podcast called Startup Happy Hour. Um, had nothing to do with crypto. I I knew nothing about crypto at this point. Had, like, bought some Bitcoin back in 2017, but didn't understand what any of this really meant. Um, until the until Matt Gold, who's the CEO and co-founder of Unstoppable Domains, um, somehow found my startup podcast and really liked it and ended up hiring our agency to help him start a podcast for Unstoppable. Um, so Unstoppable Domains became a client of mine, my first crypto client, um, and through Matt, I learned a lot about decentralization, crypto, Web3, everything I knew in the early days, I pretty much learned from Matt. So I really, you know, do credit a lot of my Web3 journey to him. And about <clears throat> a month or two into that client relationship, Matt was like, so do you want to just come work for us full time <laughs> instead of doing what you're doing here? Like really enjoy working with you. And I was like, like at that point, I still didn't really know too much about crypto, but I felt like I knew enough about it to know that it was going to be the future and it was really exciting and I wanted to be part of building that. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it Um, and started working at Unstoppable at the beginning of 2021. I was leading content there, which included podcasting Um, and I ended up cranking out 100 podcast episodes in my, in like 10 months at unstoppable so i was at unstoppable from like january until october of 2021 um cranked out a hundred podcast episodes and then went over to rabbit hole um and started a podcast there yeah. but yeah like podcasting was like a really good way to help me learn about the space super fast because you know, I was talking to all these really smart people in the space, and I'm sure you know this, Dee, it's kind of like a learning <laughs> hack, start your own podcast. Yep. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I um, I'll just add on to that, and then we'll go back. So like, as Diana said, right, like podcasting is like the best learning hack, you get the people who, like, you know, you think are the experts, let's say, in any field you, you don't know, or all the fields with you want to learn about e 5 metaverse gaming, Uh, you get them, you ask them questions, which like, you know, you really want to there will be thousands of other people who have the same questions. So it works out really well. And like when it comes from a person who's like, you know, been doing this or building this for a long time, the alpha is real, right? Like, so the more you talk, uh, the better it is. So I have a, I mean, uh, I have a few questions, right? Like, uh, uh, so this helps, uh, like, people understand, like, you know, you don't have to be from the field to do this. So you were an advocate, correct me if I'm wrong, before?
0: I was an attorney before, yeah. Ah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And then you went on to become, like, a travel influencer and wrote a blog about... (laughs) right and then you joined a yep. content marketing company um where you were doing a web to startup right like startup happy hour which again all of these things when you look at it they don't really make sense and then you went on to do a web 3 podcast yeah. with unstoppable right like so that's that's the thing the barrier to entry is yourself like anyone who even if you're non-technical you can come in uh and do it right like so tell me a little like uh, how like so what did you doing these like you know being a travel writer vlogger um how did it help into like you know you transitioning into web 3 did any of your prior experiences help you
0: um, yeah, like I, I would say, so I totally agree with you, like looking at this path, it makes zero sense, like nothing, nothing is like expected, like what you would expect to hear. Um. But I do think that my experience being a lawyer and being a travel blogger has helped, like helps me in what I do today. I think from the travel blogging part that that experience really taught me how to, um, how to like market, I think, and really helped me develop some marketing skills that I could use in like a marketing role. Because before that, all I had known was how to be a lawyer. And all of the writing I had done was very academic or very like legal writing. It's super dry. It's not really stuff that, you know, like the masses, like the mainstream audience wants to read. And so I think travel blogging taught me how to write for a different audience. Um, And I think it also like really like upped my skills with, you know, social media, and just like, like branding and other like marketing things, because I had to figure all of that out for myself, I didn't have anybody like helping me with it, really. Uh, And then on the lawyer side, like, I think a lot of the critical thinking skills from being a lawyer really helped with what I'm doing now. And even like in podcasting specifically, um, I think that like, You know, like having to go to court or having to do like depositions where you just ask the other ask people a lot of questions and thinking through like how to ask those really pointed questions that will get you like deeper answers into what you're looking for. Um, I think that actually helped. And I I don't like to make that comparison because I don't want my podcast guests to feel like they're being interrogated on my podcast and hopefully they don't feel that way. But like these are like transferable skills.
1: Yeah. And this is super interesting because I'll, I'll give you a little bit more context about myself also. And like I think I can it, I did my master's in psychology. So, um like, you know, when we had to like, you know, to complete the courses, we did have to do a lot of experiments and a lot of sit down with a lot of people, ask them a number of questions. And like we were trained to like, you know, how to ask Uh, questions be it pointed be it vague and like you know how to get more information or i mean no one trained us like they were just guidelines but i really enjoyed doing that like just sitting with people taking their case history or like you know how you ask questions and even uh like you know i studied psych i did not do anything related to Then I went on to work with a entertainment startup, which was into movies. Then I worked in a little bit in sports and marketing. And then I worked with a craft beer company. And now, now I'm here, right? Like doing crypto. So like, again, crazy... Uh, turn of events but like a lot of things are transferable they're not easy Uh, like you know not really easy to think like oh this skills can be transferred but like in hindsight they make sense this podcast was possible because of our sponsors brave and unstoppable domains more about them next Crypto scams are like a box of chocolates. You never know which one you're gonna get. Especially if you're using a crypto wallet, which is a browser extension. You run the risk of attacks like phishing scams, account spoofing, data leaks and theft. The best way to avoid getting attacked is using Brave wallet. Brave wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built directly into a browser. So no extensions required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send and swap assets. You can even manage your portfolio and NFTs all in one place. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com web 3 withd and click the wallet icon to get started. You know what's the worst part about crypto? These long and complex wallet addresses. They can get so confusing i know you hate them too what if i told you i replaced my long wallet address with dheerajshah.nft yeah that's my name all thanks to Unstoppable Domains, they're the number one providers of NFT domains. With Unstoppable Domains, you don't have to worry about renewal fees because you get to keep your NFT domain forever. You can get an NFT domain as well, maybe a .crypto.nft.x or something else. Go to unstoppabledomains.com right now and get your NFTs for as low as $5. So, uh, yeah, like, so how did you get into, like, you know, interviewing for, like, startups, right? Like, from travel to startups, right? Like, what was that thought? Like, why didn't you do a podcast on travel, right? Like, that was the most comfortable field for you.
0: Yeah, so um, I actually have, like, kind of a a much deeper background in startups than, What I tend to talk about when I was going through law school, uh, like my second year of law school, I actually I actually started my own company that was like an online marketplace, like a two sided marketplace for lawyers to find freelance work and for startups and small businesses to find affordable legal help. So I worked on that pretty much all throughout law school. Um and I was like really deeply connected with the startup community and the tech community in Chicago. And that was just always like an interest of mine. But I uh I was never a technical person, like I was never a coder. So it wasn't there wasn't really like an obvious entryway for me into the tech world, but I always kind of had like one foot in the door. So when I thought about, you know, what podcast should I start? Um it's like a startup podcast just made a lot of sense to me. I, it was something I was always interested in. I was like, I would love to talk to people in startups and sort of showcase all the different sides of startups. And that's something that I cared about with the startup podcast, and also now is really showcasing different perspectives. So instead of just having founders on the podcast to talk about like founder things, I would have people who are like junior designers, junior developers, um, and you know people from all different sides of the startup world come on the podcast and talk about their experiences because they're all different experiences and i think when people think about joining a startup or getting into the tech world it can seem a little scary especially if you're not a technical person um it you're, you might be thinking like, well, how can I add value to the space? And so I wanted to showcase those stories to help people feel more comfortable and feel like, you know, everything is achievable. It sounds like a lot of what you're trying to do with, you know, your spaces. The is really like encourage people to, to think like the only thing stopping you from getting into web three or doing whatever you want is really just yourself. Because like, listen to my story, like it makes zero sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And that's super interesting. Um, Did not know about the two sided marketplace uh, you were creating. But like these things are always there, right? Like you just have an idea. Uh, maybe you never execute, but like, you know, then you just enter a field. So tell us a little bit about like, you know, your content marketing journey to like unstoppable right like how did that conversation happen right like they literally poached you and uh yeah you got into web3 how was that experience when like you know you like you said right like you did not have much experience about web3 or crypto was it overwhelming was it like easy to get into um yeah
0: yeah so like you said like the the transition in was basically Matt poached me <laughs> that's there's not much more to the story than that. Um, once I got into web three, it was overwhelming at first, like for sure i I wasn't really using Twitter at all at that point, so um <clears throat> but Matt told me that like you know crypto like the whole crypto community is on Twitter, you got to get on Twitter. So I was like, okay, I got on Twitter, I had like no followers, I just started tweeting about the podcast and tweeting about things that I was learning. And I'm sure that, you know, none of it was like deep insights or anything, because at that point, I had none. It was really just like, basic things that I was learning. And I would just, it was a lot of like learning in public. So I just tried to like, not be shy about it not be scared about it not worry if what I was tweeting was going to sound dumb to somebody else. Like, I really just put myself out there and um, was very, like, genuine and authentic in my journey. Like, I was very – I never pretended to know more about crypto than I did. I was always very honest about, like, I don't know anything about this. Um, And looking back, I think that is actually – Like, I I really encourage people to do that now, as scary as it might feel, because I have gotten so much feedback from, like, I haven't gotten this in a while, but in my first, like, six to nine months in the space, I got so much feedback from people who were like, those early episodes you did at Unstoppable, those are my favorite episodes. And those are the episodes that I send to all of my friends. And, like, that's surprising to me because... If you ask me, I would think like those episodes were the worst. Like I didn't know anything about crypto. Like I was asking the dumbest questions. Um, but I think the reason people liked it is because I was asking all of the questions that everybody else had, but is maybe too scared to ask. And now they get to listen to a podcast where somebody who's not scared to ask these dumb questions can ask all of them and get them answered. So I think people like really enjoy um, somebody who's not afraid to like step out sort of for the people and ask all the questions that everybody else wants to know. And I think another piece of feedback I got from people was that they really enjoyed watching my journey from being completely new in the space to like really finding my footing in the space. And I think that journey is also like, I think people like it because it, it feels relatable or it feels like inspirational like they feel like oh i'm i'm like a, a nobody i'm like brand new to the space i don't know anything i don't know anyone how will i ever make it and they see my story or like they follow my journey and they're like oh really like anyone can do it like she has no background in crypto like she was totally new um i knew her when she was like nope like d i think you've been following me since i was like my early days at unstoppable when i like nobody knew who I was and like I you know, didn't have followers like I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and so you've kind of got to see like my whole journey to where I am today. But yeah, like it, all that to say, it was very overwhelming at first, kind of scary. But um, I think by not being afraid to put myself out there and not being shy about, you know, like learning in public, I think that really helped me to learn really quickly and, like, find my place in Web3. Uh Yeah,
1: thanks for sharing that. And, yeah, I completely agree, right? Like, it's good to see people's journey, people's transformation and, like, you know, what they're doing. It's uh, quite inspirational for people. Um, Also, like, yeah, I I did... I've been following you since like a long time <laughs> I guess I mean I, I don't recall but uh, yeah we spoke uh, early on and like you know um yeah what I really liked about you is like you know Uh, Just you as a person, I guess, right? Like that—that just helps. And not to sound like a indie astro person, but like you know, just the vibes uh, were amazing, and that's what we care about, like in crypto DAO community. So, like, I was like, hey, we should get on a call (laughs) and have a chat. Like, it doesn't matter like, you know, what you do, but like, um, yeah, you keep companies keep on changing things, you do keep on changing, but like the people uh, remain the same, right? Like, so if you like uh, someone, so you root for them. So I'm quite happy to, uh, like, you know, see your journey from like unstoppable to rabbit hole. And then now, like, you know, on an entrepreneurial journey to do something on your own, which I will ask you stuff about it in a while. Uh, but like, you know, just setting a little bit context so the people who are listening who are new get to know you and like you know they can do this again in 2022 and uh, yeah that that's the reason like you know um uh, i'm quite happy to uh like you know have you
0: yeah thank you i i'm so happy to chat with you too it has been it's probably been like a year if i had to guess i have no concept of time but i feel like it's <laughs> probably been a year since we first had our little chat um so this yep, recovery, yep, yep. It, a lot has happened over the last year
1: yeah yep. i was working with uh b21 i was creating content for them and now uh, like in december i quit now i'm doing things for myself right like so just creating content for myself doing my own twitter spaces podcasts uh will be recorded as well right like all of this will go there so it's quite nice. It's uh, solopreneur (laughs) is a nice uh, journey. Um, Okay, so tell us a little bit about like, you know, doing 100 podcasts. How did that feel? Did you ever think in in your life you'll do like 100 podcasts when you did your first 100 with uh, Unstoppable?
0: I mean, I never thought I would be a podcaster before... Uh, I started my startup podcast, which was like at the beginning, uh, like right after the pandemic started was when I first got into podcasting. But but I literally never, never thought I would be a podcaster even, you know, or like be any kind of like public facing um, person. So all of that, no, like I couldn't have guessed any of this, like where I am today, what I'm doing today. I could not have guessed that even one, I mean, yeah, even one year ago, or even two years ago, I could not have guessed this. So it's definitely not not a predictable path. But I think at Unstoppable, like once I started doing the Web3 podcast, I really, I truly enjoyed it. Like I couldn't believe that I was getting paid to essentially like learn super fast in the space. Like it felt surreal to me that that was my job and I was getting paid for it. You know, it felt like like I felt like I should be paying someone else for this experience because I was learning so much, like so much more than I would even expect to learn in like a university course that I was like, should I be paying someone for this or is is someone really paying me to do this? So um, that was just like a great experience. I got really into it. Like I truly enjoyed podcasting and talking to all of the people in this space. So at one point, like I just kept ramping up my episodes. I started out with one episode a week. I ramped up to two episodes per week. And then at my peak, I was recording three episodes. I was publishing three episodes per week. Um, So that's really how the numbers added up so fast. And I got to 100 episodes in 10 months. But... I mean, I I do have to like shout out Matt again, too, for being really supportive and that like some of the early episodes, I was like, Matt, I can't be having these conversations with like DeFi gigabrains because I don't know. I don't even know anything about TradFi, let alone DeFi. So I, I just like I can't even have a conversation. It'll feel like a five year old talking to like a university professor. Um, so he joined me on a lot of those early, especially DeFi episodes that like, I just, I, I, and I think that like really helped, helped me feel more comfortable and helped build up the confidence because I knew I had him there as a crutch, um, in case, you know, the guest said something that like, I just sounded like a foreign language to me. Um, but yeah, like I did a lot of research was like constantly, researching and reading and learning in my free time and podcasting forced me to learn really quickly too because if i wanted to interview somebody on the podcast i had to learn about you know what their company does or what their project does which then would lead me into learning about other concepts, like learning about like what L2s are, like how does blockchain actually work? What is interoperability? Like what do all of these things mean? I had to learn about that. So in the beginning it would like not even exaggerating, it would take me like three days or more to prepare for one podcast interview. Because i just had no idea like what any of these things mean meant and i felt like i was giving myself a crash course on blockchain and decentralization and all of these things um so yeah it was a lot at first but over time i got more and more comfortable with you know concepts in the space and that made my job a lot easier and that also helped me to be able to record more like three episodes per week which i could not have done in the beginning
1: awesome Awesome, awesome, awesome. So a lot of learning uh, to take uh, from that. Uh, Tell me, why did you increase the episodes, right? I'm just curious, from one to two to three, right? Like, why did you feel the need to do three episodes every week?
0: Um, I think because, like, it seems like a lot of people really enjoyed the podcast. And I was like, if I can get more content out there and help people learn even more, then, you know, like, why not give that a try? Also, because since you know it was taking me less and less time to prepare for the interviews i felt like i had the bandwidth to record Mm -hmm. like three interviews in a week instead of just one so it's a combination of those but actually looking back now like i probably wouldn't recommend um like regularly publishing three episodes per week because that is a lot of content for people to consume Or I would just say with a caveat that if you are to publish three episodes a week, that they're shorter episodes. Like I would keep them to maybe like 30 minute episodes instead of one hour episodes, which is what I was recording at Unstoppable. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when I got to Rabbit Hole, too, like something we did there is we... We built in seasons into the podcasting. So at Rabbit Hole, we were releasing three episodes per week, but they were shorter episodes. Each episode was like thirty to forty-five minutes, and we um, we did it by seasons. So we would publish for like two months, and then we would take a one-month break, and then publish for two months again, take a one-month break. Like that was the cycle. And I think that's a lot more doable because not only do you give yourself a chance as the host to sort of like recover and rest and not get burnt out, but you also give listeners a chance to catch up with all the episodes you missed as well.
1: Interesting, interesting. And um, just uh, curious about programming. So from one-hour episodes to 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes episodes, what changed? How did you, like, you know, what kind of content did you, uh, like, you know, skip or, like, you know, how did the format change?
0: Yeah, I think I I got more topical. So um, at Unstoppable, the podcasts were really about the person, like the guest's mm-hmm. journey. Um, so I would dive deep into like their background, kind of like the stuff that we talked about here so far and go deep yep. into that. Whereas on uh, Rabbit Hole, I would focus in more on like two or three topics that i know the guest is really knowledgeable in and only talk about those things so we might not what? get a chance to cover the guest's entire background but like we'll go real like a lot deeper on just like two or three topics
1: i understand so uh what is the difference right like what what, what do you like more or like and like you know what gets more views uh <laughs> these are these are my questions
0: yeah, I noticed that um, shorter episodes definitely get more views. I think the hour long episodes are just like a little too long to hold people's attention. So I, I think the shorter episodes do better. Um, it really depends on like the topic and the guest too. So there's so many factors at play. There's, you know, like who your guest is, how well known they are, how much they choose to share out the episode. With their followers after it's recorded, uh there's also like just like what you title your episodes that makes a big difference, so you know like not even going for like the s e o juice, but even just like titling your episode something that's very eye catching, and people will see that and instantly want to listen. Um, but yeah, there's not like a single factor that determines all of this. It's kind of a combination of all of those factors. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: So, um, as far as I remember, like, you know, you, um, like left unstoppable around that hundred episodes mark. Um, And then you joined Rabbit Hole, right? Like, what was that journey like? Um, What did you do at Rabbit Hole? I know you were heading content there as well. But, like, you know, what what were the key differences?
0: Yeah, so the the biggest difference was that um, at Rabbit Hole, I was figuring out how to decentralize content. So I was leading content there, trying to build a content engine um, and scale content in the context of a DAO instead of in the context of a traditional company. So that was that was the biggest difference. And um, I have a lot of learnings about that. I wrote an article about it recently with some of my key learnings from there, but like really just spent the last six months like focused on how to decentralize content, how to um, like operate within the context of a DAO uh, and all of those things. And I, I learned a lot from that. and. Um, I'm, you know, like as like my next steps, I think I'm kind of like looking at focusing in on some DAOs right now and just getting deeper in the DAO ecosystem and having more learnings about like how to best operate a DAO is something that I'm really interested in.
1: Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Right. Like where did your fascination or uh, curiosity about DAOs start? And tell us why do you like DAOs?
0: I think initially I was interested in DAOs because it offered a different way to work. It's kind of like a mix of, um, it's like freelancing, but with like a, a community built in. So like I freelanced in the past before as a writer and I never got to know any of the other writers that were freelancing for the same company. You know, it was like a very like isolated sort of thing. But with DAOs, it's almost like freelancing with community, like freelancing with friends. Um, And I think that's what initially attracted me is like I've never really been into like big corporate structures like the corporate hierarchy and like all of the traditional like corporate ways of doing things. I kind of like a more um, flat structure. I like working in smaller teams that can move a little faster. That's sort of my ideal for working. And I I found those things in DAOs, or at least in some DAOs, like each DAO is obviously very different as well. Uh, So that's what initially drew me in. And um, still today, like, I think that DAOs have a lot of potential to do a lot of big things if they're structured properly. Um, So I think that's why I, I'm interested in just going deeper into the DAO ecosystem and, you know, like learning what is the best way to operate a DAO and what's the best way to operate teams to maximize efficiency and work and also, like, happiness.
1: Mm -hmm. And are there any, like, you know, um, like, rookie mistakes people make when creating a DAO or running a DAO, which like you know which over time you might have learned right like so some some tips for running a DAO uh is what i would ask from you
0: yeah, I think this is like such a hard question. And I've, I've had a lot of people ask, like, how do you run a DAO? And it's it's such a broad question because it's kind of like the same thing as asking, like, how do you run a company? And while there yeah. might be principles that, you know, all companies can kind of follow, it's it really depends what kind of company, what are your goals? And I think it's the same thing for DAOs. Like, you really should look at, like, what, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and then, like, what's the best way to go about achieving that? And it it doesn't like your goal can be just vibes. You know, it doesn't have to be like launch a project, a product or make X million dollars in revenue. It doesn't have to be those goals. It could be any goal. It can be like to create a community with impeccable vibes like that can be your goal, too. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way that I like, I think a big mistake that a lot of DAOs make is when they just launch, they really optimize for quantity over quality. And um, I think that is going to be more detrimental to the DAO over time. Like, I think it's really not a numbers game. It's really like it's really like creating a community very strategically. Uh, And you should start small and make sure that that community actually has the right vibes that you're going for before you go out and expand it so the way like i think about it and sort of like what i did for rehash is i think you know if you just put out your values like if you communicate out your values to the world of crypto twitter even that will attract the right people to you and to your community Mm -hmm. so like with rehash like what i did was I just laid out, I I didn't, it, it, like, if you read that crowdfund article, I didn't say, this is exactly what the DAO is going to do. This is exactly how you can contribute. I gave a few examples of that. But what I really laid out much more in detail is these are our three core values. And sort of like, these are the bounds that we're going to operate within. So the options for how you can contribute and what we can do in the DAO, like, the sky is the limit, but we're going to operate within these core values and we're not gonna do anything that goes against these core values. And I think like within that scope, you can find people who have the same values and principles as you, but that might think differently. So um, I think like the Mm -hmm. best people to surround yourself with are people who are value aligned with you. Like you have the same core principles um, and but, but maybe like different ways of thinking. So, you know, maybe like because of the way I grew up, because of the way my parents taught me, I have a certain way of thinking or because of my experiences, I have a certain way of thinking, but maybe like you have a different way of thinking, Dee, because you grew up in a different background. You grew up in a different country. You've had such different experiences than me. So we could have the same values, like the same core principles that we live by, but we could think about things and go about things very differently. And I think those are the people that you that, you know, you you want to surround yourself with the most because those are the people who can help you, you know, open up your mind to like think different ways to understand different perspectives, but who aren't going to sort of like attack your like core values.
1: You I I love this. I love this, right, like, um, and I believe, uh, and I agree with whatever you are saying, and I've seen this uh, play out, and I've seen, like, you know, a lot of communities uh, doing the same thing, what you've said, and it works out well, and I think, um, like, I, I, like, Yeah, it's kind of manifesting the kind of people you want by like, you know, putting uh, your values out, what you're doing, your goals and mission out and then like, you know, just attracting those kind of people, right? Like, I mean, no, yeah, my scientific brain uh, wouldn't want to believe it's true, but it, it works, right? Like, that's, that's how it is. And I'm sure, right? Like, Diana, you can also give empirical data with like you know you doing things with so many DAOs be it even rehash right like you're finding like-minded people by putting all these things out so um, uh, yeah if you want to answer that you can and then let's talk a little bit about rehash right like why did you start rehash rehash is a podcasting DAO Uh, this is like the basic two-liner um tell us what are your values what are your uh, principles what are your what's your mission what's your vision um and everything about it why did you start it
0: yeah sure um so this idea has really evolved pretty quickly over time it's combining two things that i've spent a lot of time on since joining the web3 space which is podcasting and dows The way that I was thinking about this at at first was, you know, I was kind of thinking like I I've created over um, over like 150 episodes in in the crypto space, like at unstoppable, unstoppable and rabbit hole. And yet I own none of that. So now that I've left Unstoppable, like the Unstoppable podcast is no longer mine. Somebody else is running it. Same thing with Rabbit Hole. And as a creator, like at the end of the day, you really just want to have ownership over your work, right? Like I think any any creator, whether you're a writer or an artist or a musician, like you just want to have ownership over what you do. And so I thought, you know, like... I I should probably just start my own podcast, like something that I actually own instead of, you know, just going to like, work for other people's podcasts. And um, still, like, now I can reference people back, I can say, you know, I've recorded 150 episodes, I can send you links to those. But at the end of the day, they're all in fragmented pieces. They're all in different places. And they're not mine anymore. Um, So that's, that was like, sort of like the first Iteration of it. And then I started just describing this to people. I had another idea to start like a media DAO um, that would sort of like look a little different from this. But then I was like, why don't I combine these two ideas and turn the podcast into a DAO? I've always had this belief that content should be decentralized. Um, I, I just think that if you're, you know, if you're trying to and this is like sort of the the first core value we have is that we are going to make a conscious effort to represent as many diverse perspectives as possible and i think this is so important because we talk about you know building out web 3 which is the future of the web it's like the next iteration of the web and if if this is what we're really trying to do and everybody spends their time online on the web then we need then like what we should really be thinking about is how do we create an experience online that is going to benefit everyone who's going to use it and that includes everybody from all over the world like not just the people in your bubble not just the people in north america or in the western world but like really everybody from all over the world and so if this is our goal then we need to understand The needs and the goals of people from other backgrounds and other places around the world like I, I can only speak to my experiences that I had, as you know, a a Chinese American female who grew up in America that is my specific set of experiences. And I can't even speak for every other Chinese American female who grew up in America. Like we had different experiences too. Um, So like the only way you're going to understand and be like other people's perspectives is to be exposed to them. So I think it's really crucial that we put a conscious effort out towards bringing on diverse voices, people from all over the world, people from all different backgrounds to like really share what it is that they need and that they want in the future of the web. Um, and then the second core value we have is that, you know, the world and that includes the world of web three operates on a gray scale, that not everything is in black or white, not everything is good or bad. You know, not everything is decentralized or not decentralized. There's a scale, there's a spectrum that everything operates on. And I think when, you know, like a lot of when we see a lot of the hate that happens on Twitter and a lot of the arguments and stuff, I think it stems from people thinking in binary. And that's maybe how code operates, but that's not how the world operates. and That's not how humans operate. So, um <clears throat> that's like a core value too, is like, we're not just going to say that like decentralization is good. Centralization is bad. Like, no, there are good and bad aspects to both of those. You know, we're not going to say speculation is bad. Um, whatever is good, like speculation can be good too. The fact of the matter is speculation is how a lot of people get into the space is from price speculation and true like i that's not that's we ultimately we want them to learn more about what decentralization has to offer than just speculating on prices but if that's the way to get people in the door then so be it that that's the way you know we should lean into that um so that's our second core value and then our third core value is that like we are still in the early stages which I know people say that all the time, like we are still early. Um, But like sort of what this means, at least for me, is that first of all, because we're so early, whatever we do now is going to have a big impact in the world, right? So it's like um, imagine like working on the Internet, you know, the World Wide Web in the early days, like in the 90s. Whatever you did back then could have had such a bigger impact than whatever you do now for like Web 2. It's the same thing with Web 3. Like we're in those early days of building it out. And I think this also means that because we are still so early, we recognize that we still know very little. You know, like it's like what people knew about the Internet in the 90s was probably a lot less than what people know about the Internet today. And so like when you recognize that you you know very little about this topic that helps you to stay humble um, and to maybe like listen better, be a better listener to what other people have to say and to be more open minded and not form these like conclusions about certain things and prescribe certain like characterizations onto things that you, you don't fully understand just yet. So those are kind of our three core values and uh, they're broad but they're also like pretty specific um but i think within those three core values like whatever the community wants to create is on the table whether you know people want to turn this down into like a podcast studio where we help other people start podcasts in the space, that could be an option. Or people could start like an you know, like a, a newsletter, they could start a, a website, an education portal, they could start like weekly calls for people who are brand new to the space to like walk them through the space almost like office hours, like hold their hand and get them set up. That honestly, like the possibilities are endless and I'm really excited to see what the community comes up with. Like, I have all of these ideas, but I want to hear it from the community. And as long as it's within the scope of these three core values that we hold um, and, you know, it's going to help people learn about Web3. That's like all I care about. Then like anything else is up to the community.
1: Yeah, that, that's awesome. Right. Like, Thank you for sharing all your values and like, you know, what you're doing, it's super interesting, right? Like we have to be conscious on making choices on the types of guests we invite and the people we talk to because like, you know, representation matters. But just just talking about that, right? Like I talked to a lot of people um, here on Spaces and I asked them this, like, you know, just few years back, the space was completely filled with finance people using crypto as a financial tool, mostly living in America, mostly male, male, mostly white men. Um, And like over periods since pandemic hit, since the metaverse narrative, since the uh, NFT narrative, right? Like we've seen a lot of people who are like, you know, not fitting the stereotype get into the field and are doing some awesome work, right? Like, so what do you think? Like have people's role model changed over time or like, do you generally see more and more inclusivity happening or like, you know, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Um, yeah, I I think we're gonna see more inclusivity happening because Web3 is branching out and reaching the mainstream and once you get the mainstream involved like there's just going to be more inclusivity there but i do see like certain i guess segments of people within um web3 who still maybe are a little siloed like like you were saying like you have the defi community especially like the og defi community or like people who've been in the defi world from you know the early days or like 2013 or even pre 2017 i think they have a that community has like a certain air to them um, versus like, for instance, the NFT community who just got into the space in the last year, Um, they're very different communities. And I, I think that there can be some sort of like animosity between these two communities and there's even more communities than just this, but like just taking these two as an example, I think the NFT community sort of looks at the DeFi community and they say, you know, the DeFi community is so like mean and non inclusive. They don't care about onboarding newbies, blah, blah, blah. And then the DeFi community looks at the NFT community and they're like, but you guys don't even understand like what we're here for. You know, you're just like tweeting cute pics on Twitter all day. And you're still speculating on prices. So you can't even <laughs> s- criticize us for speculating on prices because you guys are doing it, too. And on top of that, like you don't understand what we're doing. You don't understand the core principles of decentralization. You're not building. You're just tweeting like we're here building cool stuff that's going to impact the future. So, you know, like both sides have, are right in their own way you know there i think everybody in this space is contributing in some way and i think like what we need more of is really just people being more open to hearing other people's perspectives like we need the nft community to be more open to hearing from the defi community and hearing their thoughts and what they deem to be valuable and what they think they're contributing here and what they understand decentralization to mean and then maybe the defi community can like be open-minded and hear from the NFT community about like why they think community is important, you know, and like community is also a big part of this decentralization goal that we all have in common, that we're just approaching it from a different way. Like you're building the core infrastructure for decentralization, which is great. And we need that. But like, we're building. And by, you know, we, I mean, like the NFT community is building, like the human aspects of it. It's like you need the tech layer, but then you also need the human layer, because at the end of the day, it's we're all humans that are using the technology. So I think everyone is contributing in their own way to this space. And instead of like fighting each other about like you're not contributing in the right way or whatever, like we should all just work together and like appreciate, you know, each other's own ways of contributing.
1: Yeah that's that's a great insight that's a great observation Diana I think you should consider podcasting <laughs> and put these pod- <laughs> uh yeah uh, jokes jokes apart uh, but uh, t- yeah like tell us you you you've been raising money for Uh, rehash, right? Like, And there was a 10 ETH goal. It just started yesterday. Uh, I think you've surpassed the 10 ETH goal. Tell us a little bit about fundraiser. Uh, What are these two kind of, uh, like, you know, uh, NFTs there are or the roles you can get in your DAO. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, sure. So we started our crowdfund yesterday. We set the goal for 10 ETH because this is sort of like the bare minimum we need to compensate our team for work into seasons one and two of the podcast. Um, and then plus like a little extra to go into the treasury. But like really, and right now I just opened this up. We're at 18 ETH already, which is insane. Like we hit our goal within the first hour and a half of the crowdfund, which like blew my mind. Like I never could have imagined that. Like I was kind of thinking, oh, like 10 ETH. It'll probably take us like a week to get there and like no it took one an hour and a half to get there um and now we're at 18th but like the more all of the excess funds that we raise from the crowd fund is going to go into our dow treasury so we have a multi-sig set up on gnosis already where all the money is going to go into there and the community the dow will then be able to decide how to spend that money. So, you know, it can be like whatever initiatives they come up with that they wanna create that it's gonna cost some ETH. Like that's where we can, you know, they can submit a proposal to the DAO, say like, hey, I want to start this educational course for for newbies in the space. It's gonna cost me X number of ETH to do this for the next three months. Um, And then the community votes on that, whether they think that's gonna be valuable or not. And if they vote yes, then that money will come out of the Dow treasury and go towards, you know, that person or that group of people to build out what they, what they said they're going to build out. So, um, your, the, the crowd fund comes with a couple of different NFTs. When you contribute to the, the crowd fund, you get an NFT as well. And these were designed by, um, this girl, Libby Kramer, who is, also new to the space, and hopefully this will be a good way to onboard her to Web three. But she's a fantastic designer, and she made these cute little like avatars. Um, we like call them Diana Tars jokingly because they're like Diana avatars, uh, but they look really cute. My my profile pic right now is one of them, and then another one is the rehash Web three profile pic. But your NFT is your ticket into the DAO. So if you hold an NFT, you get to join the DAO. Um, and that means you get to, you know, like vote on things, nominate guests, like do whatever. The two different tiers we have, we have one tier which is 0.05 ETH, and then another one which is 0.5 ETH. So for the 0.05 ETH, so like anybody who participates to the crowd funds, you'll be able to uh, nominate any guest you want for the podcast. So we'll be using Snapshot. And I'll have like a nomination template for people to use. So it's really easy. You just fill out the template, submit your snapshot proposal, and then people will be able to vote on um, like yes or no, basically on each of the guests. And then the next tier up, the 0.5 ETH NFT, holders of that NFT will be able to um, do the voting. So it's kind of like anybody in the DAO can nominate and submit guests. And then the people who hold that 0.5 ETH, Tier NFT will be able to actually vote. Um, and yeah, this is like just V1 of the DAO. Like I'm sure things will develop down the line, but it looks like so far we have 75 backers. And so that's 75 people in the DAO. Um, and it's still, mm-hmm. I mean, we're planning on keeping the crowdfund open for, you know, at least through the end of the week. So hopefully, you know, even more people join. Um, but I, I think, I think this is. Even, like, looking through, I know a lot of the names, and I I think that this is working. I think that, like, we're bringing in a really solid group of values-aligned people, and I am just so excited to get everybody into a Discord chat together, which we're working on putting together right now, so that everyone can meet each other and, like, hang out with each other um, and not just be interacting with me.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, you again right like a value-based community right like people who like what you're doing and have similar values are coming together in like a rehash uh, discord or community so which is also I find quite interesting I have pinned uh, the crowdfund you can go and check it out again no investment advice uh you can just do your own research and check it out if you want to support or not uh that's completely up to you guys um yeah and t- tell us a little bit more about like you know what are you excited to do with this tao uh what kind of changes are you going to do in terms of podcasting with rehash and like you know what should we be we looking forward for
0: yeah for sure um i think long term for me if all goes well uh we'll see people in the community stepping up to take on leadership roles and really taking initiative to do things i would love to see this turn into the place where people go to to learn about web 3 initially like a place where we've created so many resources for newcomers to the space that we're just out there like onboarding everybody into web3 that would be super cool for me to see um what but like really like long term what i want to see is just that the the dao is people are stepping up in the dao people are active and engage in the dao people are like putting out cool new ideas and actually taking initiative to build them that's like really what i want to see i don't want to see me as like the central part of the DAO for very long at all, um, if we can help that.
1: Interesting, interesting, Uh, quite interesting. Also, tell me, like, you know, currently, what is your team like? What are people doing? How are they helping you grow this?
0: Yeah, so the core team, um, and I do have another call in a minute, so I'm gonna have to hop soon. But the core team is myself. And then we have two podcast producers, and then two designers. Um, So it's a pretty small little team. And uh, that's like all the people that have been putting all of this together so far.
1: Awesome, awesome. So, thank you for taking some your time out. Um, and uh, yeah, okay. One quick question: <laughs> uh, If someone yeah. wants to help contribute uh, to your DAO, what do they do?
0: Yeah, you can go to uh, rehash Web three on Twitter, that's the handle. And you can look at the pin post there, which will link you to the crowdfund, which is on mirror. So if you click on the link, um, it should be pretty obvious, you'll see rehashed out crowdfund. And you'll just see a button back this project. And you that's, you, that's how you can contribute connect your wallet. It's we are all our um, backing are all the contributions we're taking are in ETH. So Uh, You'll need to have some ETH in your wallet, and then you can go there and back the project and get your NFT, and that's your ticket into the DAO
1: awesome so thank you for taking your time out and doing this um guys uh, go follow diana if you're not already following if you learned anything from this episode uh from this chat go uh, reshare this and tag me tag diana tell like you know what were your takeaways from uh this conversation and just want to thank uh, diana for being here and doing this
0: Thank you so much for having me, Dee, and thank you everyone for tuning in. I would love to hear from all of you if you have other questions. Um, So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Awesome. Bye. Take care.